This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Thanks for joining us for Episode 10 of the Recorded Future podcast. Today's program is the first in an occasional series of behind-the-scene looks at Recorded Future. Over the next few months, we'll drop in from time to time on some of the Recorded Future team members to find out what it is they do, how they do it, what made them choose their careers, along with some advice for anyone considering the field. They'll share their stories in their own words. In this edition, we introduce you to two threat intelligence analysts, Lauren Zabrick and Alex Walker. They both have previous experience with threat analysis for the U.S. government, experience that serves them well today. Stay with us. Intelligence isn't just intelligence. It doesn't come out of nowhere. So an analyst is dealing with a lot of different information. It's really incumbent upon the analyst to make sense of that information, make sense of that data, and turn it into usable intelligence. My job is actually very uh, varied day to day. I work primarily with our federal customers but also state and local as well. And so I'm usually dealing with, you know, requests from the customers, how to help them maybe with a particular workflow or some data questions or things like that. Um, But I'm also, you know, working a lot with our product team, our data science team. How can we um, improve the product based on customer feedback or requests or things like that? Quite busy day-to-day, a lot of different things that we're doing as analysts on this team. A lot of the analyst-type things that I'm doing uh, in this job are, are um, you know, similar to the, the type of stuff that I was doing for the government. So I was a former uh, national security agency uh, analyst. Uh, and one of the things is really... Um, tracking trends so so i would say to to begin the day you know it's looking at what news sources are hitting um checking the slack channel to see what people are are talking about um looking at a number of different security reporting what stuff is trending really looking at things that make sense to be talking about and always kind of keeping up and current um so i think that that's really one of the first steps Um, I actually don't believe in the phrase finished intelligence because I believe that all data is useful no matter, um, you know, where it came from or when it was discovered or when it was collected, that data can always be used to answer another intelligence question, things that we don't even know to ask yet, but we might in the future or another data point might tell us to go back and look at, at something else that you know, we hadn't even considered before. Intelligence is is really being able to take information and being able to draw some kind of conclusion from it, right? We have to, first of all, have enough information available that we don't have somewhat of a, you know, confirmation bias or we, we set out to answer a question and perhaps we already have that the answer in our mind. So the first step is really being able to have that big breadth of information to draw from um, to be able to answer those those different questions. Sort of the next step is is documenting that, right? Because you want to be able to uh, track your steps 
uh, I found, you know, as an analyst generally, both in the government and for recorded future, if I don't sort of leave breadcrumbs for myself, it's really easy to get lost. Uh, and then after getting to that point, um, you can start to sort of, uh, I like to, to kind of talk out some of the things that I'm looking at, uh, write them down. If I, I found one of the best skills that I think I learned as an analyst was uh, how to write an email about technically focused things in a way that people who are not as technically focused can digest. You can be the smartest person in the world if you can't explain uh, how you got to the conclusions that you got to in a way that satisfies someone on, on somewhat of a layman's level understanding because they haven't been as deep in that information as you, then you know it's, it's not really worth doing all that effort. It's one thing to, to say that we have a lot of sources, but one of the things that we're doing as human analysts and one of the things that, that we're really working towards within uh, the platform is being able to help uh, you know, draw those conclusions um, in that way, like having, having a place where you can find that information again that you were looking for, um, having it in one spot, being able to annotate it and document it and, and to help you put that in a place that makes sense and you can disseminate it to other people. A lot of people talk about, you know, as we go forward in, um, analysis and technology and things like that, you know, will there still be a role for an analyst? And I say, absolutely. Technology can help you in your, say, data processing, structuring, um, organization, indexing of data, but it's never going to take the place of a human brain, a human analyst, because you need that person to really think about it, really make sense of the data. Artificial intelligence and machine learning are very helpful tools to make sense of data, and especially unstructured data, you know, especially in things like unstructured text. So, you know, when you're looking at something like open source intelligence, you're looking at things across the whole web, whether it's the open, the deep, and the dark web, a lot of it is very unstructured. And it's so vast that you can't possibly really put your hands around it and really try to make sense of it. I always talk about in my previous life um, as an analyst in the government, you know, when you're dealing with open source information, one of those questions is, well, where do I even start, you know, just getting on the internet? You know, do I go to Google, um, you know, and start just searching things in there? And, and, you know, we know how Google works. And so when you're looking for information, those results are really going to be influenced by preferences, your, your history of research and things like that. But where, when you have machine learning, natural language processing, et cetera, I think it allows you to make more sense of the data at hand and also gives you the ability, I think, to uh, have a broader reach. You know, when you're looking at information that is in a foreign language, previously it would be very hard to, you know, if you're not a linguist, to understand that and perhaps even get that information translated by somebody and, you know, processed that way. But if you have machines and tools that are helping you on those processes that don't necessarily require a human, um, but really helps you to structure that data, make sense of that data, it just gives you the ability to take a step back and, you know, have more time and have more mental energy for your analysis. 
this job is very, very collaborative. You know, I can't do um, anything really on my own, you know, from just basic questions about maybe um, cyber analysis to um, questions about data and questions about, um, you know, hey, how would you do this or how would you look at this? Um, and really, we're we're a team. I would say we are a team of teams. Uh, to to borrow a phrase from one of my favorite generals, General McChrystal, you know, we all have to work together and support each other. You know, in that sense. But you know, we're a fast-moving organization, and you know, we really rely on each other to you know help answer those questions, information where people might need it, because nobody's going to be you know one expert at everything. And so to be able to go to the data science team or, you know, your pre-sales resource, that sort of thing is, is very important. So I would say we're very collaborative and even within, you know, our intelligence services team as well, you know, everyone's so busy, but, you know, we're all working on different projects that different people have different levels of experience and expertise on. And so, you know, we share across the team a lot. I was always interested in, you know, global events um, in history. One of the people who instilled that interest in me was uh, my grandfather. He was a nuclear engineer uh, after World War II. He always had a very curious spirit about finding out how things work, picking at them, asking tough, uh, critical questions. So I got to spend a decent amount of time with him growing up. And he always, you know, even when maybe I was too young to to fully grasp the whole process, wanted to get me into understanding how did events occur? Uh, how are all these different moving pieces working together? Um, how do we really understand the world that we live in? So I think he was really one of the people who inspired me to uh, look towards a career that went somewhat towards, you know, world events to promoting uh, change to promoting understanding and a general sense of curiousness and, and knowledge. I studied abroad um, both at Cambridge University in the UK uh, for a summer and then also at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And then my focus was actually on the Middle East, specifically uh, Israel, uh, history and, uh, and politics. I, I think those kinds of things really inspired me to want to do something, you know, that that made an impact on a global scale. Um, so after graduating, uh, I was looking at a lot of different government jobs. Uh, and one of, one of the issues uh, there is, you know, when you're looking at something, especially in the intelligence space, you know, there, there's a whole process of, of getting cleared uh, for that. So waiting around sort of after I had graduated, moving back in with my parents and, uh, and waiting for my security clearance. Uh, in the meantime, I was a, a water polo coach at my old high school, uh, and I drove a, a truck for a heating and cooling company. So I think both of those taught me some, uh, some humility, some uh, leadership skills, all that kind of stuff. So that led me eventually to the National Security Agency, and then the way that they placed me in that, I think because of that, that knowledge and that skill set in dealing with Middle East issues, um, was in counterterrorism. But what I didn't know that much about, uh, and what I think really helped me as uh, become you know, this full analyst was a way better understanding of the technical aspects. So you know, I really didn't know that I would have to essentially also become somewhat of a computer science expert, uh, an expert on 
how networks work, all the different backbones of systems and uh, mobile devices and satellites and all these things. So uh, that was a space where I really didn't know that much, but it was through that on-the-job training because we had to learn those things to do that you know, good and necessary work that I got into that space. Growing up, I never really knew what I wanted to do. When I went to college, um, actually, my mother said, I think you should be a doctor. And I said, okay. Um, But then I quickly realized that even though I loved biology, I was terrible in chemistry. So that was never going to be a viable option for me. And then I started to get interested in things like international relations and economics. And so I actually majored in economics, you know, concentrating in international development. Um, On the flip side of that, I was in Air Force ROTC. And so I was preparing to commission as an officer in the Air Force. And, you know, everyone has their 9-11 story. When I was getting ready to go into the Air Force, you know, I... I thought I wanted to be a pilot, maybe. My, my father's a pilot, but, you know, that kind of changed. And so after 9-11, I, I thought, no, I want to be an intelligence officer. I did that, um, and then I got out of the Air Force in 2008, was in the private sector for about two years, and I said, no, this isn't, this isn't for me right now. Um, I want to go back into Um, intelligence analysis as a civilian. And so that's what I did. I went back into the government for about six years, deployed a number of times uh, to Afghanistan, um, learned a lot about analysis um, and different ways to to do that. And if you've ever heard of a term called activity-based intelligence, um, that's something that my office really uh, developed and pioneered, and that's something that I would call myself a subject matter expert in. I wouldn't say I I went to school or had any dreams of becoming an analyst. It just kind of unfolded for me um, as I went along in my career, and it was very rewarding and, and a lot of fun, and I learned a ton, so I'm very grateful for those experiences. So I, I think the biggest element uh, to someone wanting to become an analyst to pursue a, a, sort of that track uh, is to be curious in your life in in the way that you approach things do you look at it with a critical nature do you always want to find out more are you curious about what makes things work understanding the context uh, looking at historical factors looking at geopolitical factors um, looking at you know uh, other uh, technology trends. I'm so glad that I had sort of a a classic kind of liberal arts uh, education because I think what it taught me at Michigan State was, you know, thinking critically applies to everything. And you don't necessarily have to have those technical skills or or working uh, working a particular tool or working a particular set of, of things. But really what's most important is being able to go through a critical thinking process to be able to organize and explain your thoughts. And I think that's really the space where if you can do those things, then you can probably be a successful analyst, um, you know, in in any space that that you want to put your mind to. You're needed as, you know, someone who can think and really solve these hard problems. 
um, because a machine is not going to be able to do it. And so being curious, leaning forward, you know, we used to call ourselves dumpster divers for data, you know, give me all of the data, you know, being proactive, go show your face, be present, you know, really get out there and and make those relationships. I think that's one of the key things, you know, that mindset that I, I took with me. Our thanks to Lauren Zabrick and Alex Walker for joining us and sharing their stories. Before we let you go, don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, and every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, and suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com intel. You can also find more intelligence analysis at recordedfuture.com blog. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 